to. Hello and welcome to the Opinions and Beer Podcast. I'm your host, Adam. In just a few moments, we'll be joined by Keenan Kitchens and Philip A. Barb, or Philip Andrew. Philip Andrew is a Emmy-nominated producer and a professional life coach slash public speaker. Uh, very excited to have him on, and we will join them. They're currently on a Skype call. This will be our first Skype interview, so bear with us if any technical issues arise. So let's move on. Let's quickly get through the uh, the beer of the day. Today's beer of the day is Shiner Candied Pecan Porter. It is 6% in alcohol by volume. Uh, it it was released during Shiner's seasonal uh, cold frost sampler pack. That's the only way to get it. I'm eager to try this beer. Uh, I love porters, and I and I just had some candied pecans from Bucky's, the famous Bucky's gas station. I'm gonna go ahead and taste this beer. Wow, <laughs> Shiner, what are you doing making delicious beer for no reason? This is like candy. <laughs> this is the candy of beers. I'll say that right now. This this tastes like candy, in a uh, in a weird beer type of way. You know, I, I like the fact that the sweets and the the taste doesn't overpower. It's not you still you still get a beer out of this. I think Shiner knows its audience. You know, they're not gonna hide the beer flavor of the beer. I'm stunned. This is a really good beer. I really have to uh, speed on through this one, but I'm gonna give this a straight ten. I'm gonna give this a ten star rating. Shiner's Candied Pecan Porter. I mean, good job. Tastes like candy. I, I believe we have a long interview scheduled. I'm going to go ahead and switch over to the interview. And here we go. High school football, marry the guidance counselor, and then, you know, just <laughs> enjoy. I just want to, I just want to, you know, just, you know, tar- shoot, you know, shoot my, you know, target practice every Sunday with the, with the fam. You know, that's all I really want, man. <laughs> That sounds really nice, actually. It doesn't, it, dude. Like it's, I, you know. like, oh, man, that's a, that's a, that's a solid life right there. I've never been around anyone that shot target practice. Well, like not at the range. I do it in, I did it in my backyard. When? Yeah. Uh, places. I did it on East Railroad, and I don't know. I grew up in on a on a ranch in Panette. Well, there was plenty of things to shoot out there. That's uh, awesome, man. Well, today, jumping right in here, we are interviewing Philip A. Barb. Is that correct? Did I say that correctly? Uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, Philip Andrew is normally how it goes, but hey, Philip A. Barr, but you know, I'm a man of many names. <laughs> Philip Andrew, Philip Andrew. Uh, <laughs> if you want to jump right into it, you know, I see you, uh, you got an Emmy nomination, I believe. Is that correct? I do. It was uh, fantastic. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. I worked on a psychology program for YouTube Red with uh, it was the show was called Mindfield. We did season one, season two, and then they went on to do a season uh, third season, and uh, it was just a lot of fun, man. It's with a, uh, a, a YouTube channel called Vsauce, and then uh, they had a lot of success with Vsauce on YouTube, and then YouTube Red launched, which was the subscription based YouTube service. And uh, put some money behind it, and we, we, we put together some really, really dynamic uh, episodes that were very, very cool. And uh, it was, you know, an honor to be a part of that. Now, did, did you say, you said Vsauce or Vsauce? Vsauce. Vsauce, yeah. Yeah, I watched a lot of videos on that channel. <laughs> oh, awesome, man. Yeah, Mike, Michael. Hey, this, you know, this is Michael from Vsauce. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, there you go. I feel, see, that's how it works. Now I got a fan. You know, it works, man. I'm having yeah, a good time. Totally, it's great. <laughs> what was it? Uh, what was it like working on that? 
It was very cool, man. I mean, I love working in television. I think it's one of those those industries that it just gives. Um, there's so many moving parts. There's so many changes. Uh, so much can go wrong, and but when it goes right, it really is something phenomenal, and it's a lot of fun. So, uh, you know, working on that program, it's just you know a lot of long hours. Like you know, television hours every a standard day is twelve. Um, and that's just, that's normal. That's not OT. That's, that's just a normal day, 12 hour day, uh, five, six, seven days a week. You make it work and you, you just make it happen. But you know, the one thing I'll always say is it is, uh, it's the worst industry if you don't like it. And I think that's true of anything, right? Like it's, uh, there's some people that love being doctors and then there's people that hate it. And it's like, only do it if you love it. And I think that's how, you know, lucky for me, I, enjoy tv i landed in tv i like entertainment and it works uh, and it's only because i enjoy it i'm willing to deal with all of the chaos and annoyances but it's a lot of fun man i feel very uh, very blessed and honored that i get to uh you know enjoy that career that is really cool i i'm i'm jealous <laughs> yeah. well that's the other reason i do it i really just want to make everybody jealous you know that's really, that's my whole mission in life has just been uh, you know, trying to impress people and make them admire me is really all I've ever wanted. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no, uh, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but I believe, uh, did you, I, I believe I read that you worked behind the scenes for uh, Undercover Boss, is that correct? Yeah, that was a, uh, that was actually one of the first, uh, one of the first TV shows I ever worked on when I got out into the field and I, you know, I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan, uh, moved out to, you know, moved out to Los Angeles after I, I went to, you know, Michigan State University, moved out to LA and, you know, had never been west of Wisconsin, man, really didn't know what I was getting myself into and, uh, you know, come to, you know, a swing of events, ended up being, uh, getting out of journey to work on Undercover Boss and, you know, that was such a really cool show, not only because it was such a, a large success and a lot of people knew it, you know, like it's even funny that there's times where, you know, I've done, you know, I've done 30 shows since then. And that's the one that people are always like, Oh, undercover boss. And, but it was, it was such a popular show that a lot of people knew. But I think one of the coolest things for me was I had the opportunity to actually sit in the room with, um, in it, for any of you guys that are listeners and you don't know, Undercover Boss was a show with Fortune 500 companies where, you know, the CEO of the company would go undercover and, uh, you know, and then would normally surprise the employees with, hey, I'm the boss, and then also normally would do some sort of nice gesture for them. Uh, that's the quick like, hey, I'm the boss, you're fired. Yeah, and, and that happens too. Uh, that's actually how I got off the show. Uh, I actually got fucked. No, I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, you got and, undercover boss. I got undercover bossed. Uh, I, I didn't know. Uh, I thought he was the valet driver, and I uh, told him to get my car. Turned out he was the executive of the company, and I got fired. And, <laughs> uh, but no, I, and, uh, so, but the cool thing was I actually got – I had a couple of opportunities to sit in the room – with the people that were on the show after they like immediately after they had just learned that the boss was the person undercover oh. and i got to have a lot of conversations with them off camera and i think the one thing that i really took away and when i was on that show i was working on that show i was 23 24 years old i was you know early in my career in los angeles and even just early in my career in, in being in the workforce right like that you know actually having a career um and I think it was so special to be able to see people that, hey, we can all say we want more money, but actually, like, a lot of the studies say that once you hit a certain point, like, the money doesn't keep making you more happy. It's temporary. Um, but the thing that so many of these people expressed was just 
having a genuine feeling of being appreciated. Like yeah. they just, and that was what, and I think if we're all on, like that's what we really want. Like I joke about, you know, I want you to admire me, but like we just want to be seen for who we are and we want to, we want to feel like we're bringing value to the table. And not only are we bringing value, but people appreciate it. You know, we don't need a, we don't, not everyone wants, you know, the TV show about them. They don't need the parade to be rolled out for them. They just want to know, hey man, I see what you're up to and you're doing a great job. And I think that if, if we learn anything from that, like as people that are, if you're listening to this and you're an entrepreneur and you run a business or even just in your household with your family, just make sure that you allow people to be seen, feel like they are appreciated. And I, I mean, and that will go, that goes so far because it really is at, at such a core to what we, what we truly want as, as people. Man, you're so right. I agree completely. Like, all anyone wants to be at work is that guy that's indispensable, that, that everyone appreciates that you're there and we don't want to lose you. And, uh, that, like, everyone needs money, but, like, what really brings uh, value from a job is what you're talking about, is being appreciated, being un- indispensable, and you can't put a dollar sign on that. Yeah, I, I think it's it really is. I think they've even done, you know, they did a study a few years ago, and I don't know if they've if someone has come around and debunked it, but you know they did, they they called it. I don't know if you guys heard this. Uh, the study was based around seventy five thousand dollars, and they basically said that um, once you hit seventy five thousand dollars, they did all these you know they did all these surveys and they talked to tons of people at all various different levels of income, and in um, seventy five thousand a year annual income is the break even point where they say that happiness it, it, it levels off and it is no longer on a rising, um, you know, in a rising, uh, I don't know, you know, it just doesn't get any better after that because yeah, after, like after seventy five thousand dollars, it's up to you to make yourself happy. And if seventy five thousand dollars a year isn't going to make you happy, then yeah, that amount of money is going to make you happy. Yeah, and I think that's it's kind of just that idea of like, hey, yeah, there are moments where like, you know, if you're making fifteen k a year, it's tough, and you're in survivor mode. You know, you really like, you know, if you're making fifteen k a year. Um, and, and obviously, like, I'm massively generalizing, right? Like, I don't know. And, and But if you're making that amount of money, it's it's a struggle, and you're, you're trying to just stay alive. So life is, you're, you feel like your back is against the wall. You're not, you're not, it's not as easy to just find the happy moments because you feel stressed and, and overworked all the time. Well, as that continues on, your life changes. And then, But once they say, as you make a little bit more money, sure, you get a little bit happier, you get a little bit more freedom. But once you hit that 75K mark, it kind of levels off, you know, and it's like once that is, then it's everyone's kind of, you're, you're in it and everyone is, uh, you know, obviously they're doing a better job in the, in the, uh, in the, the essay than what I am doing right now. And, um, but, uh, normally I'm much better. The, um, I feel like the, the people that get kind of promoted are kind of more of the narcissist people and the people that already think they're, uh, above you. <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, maybe that's why they, the they kind of get targeted on them for promotion because they're so, doing. But, but but I feel like it's these people that it's like uh, you're not really gonna be uh, appreciated by someone who only cares about themselves, and that's just I feel like that's kind of like another issue <laughs> with a lot of well, these uh, jobs. Well, there's always well, so gonna be people like that, and no people like that are always gonna rise to power because they're only looking out for themselves, and they achieve what they set out to do at the expense of others. So, ergo, they'll, they'll just always be there. Well, I think th- th- there's a little truth to that. I think it's important to 
to not paint that broad stroke, right? There, there's a, right. there's definitely always the, um, the idea that a lot of times we we want to villainize people that have made their way to the top, and and, and we, there's actually a term for it, and I can't remember it, but it's it's this idea that people, a lot of people have a belief that to be able to get to a level of success, you must have had to do something dirty along the way to get there. Yeah, you know, we, you, you know, we have, profession be a bad person. You can't yeah, person and, there. and I think that that's a dangerous, uh, I think that can be a very dangerous mindset uh, to hold on to this idea that, oh, well, everybody at, you know, assert, everyone in the 1% is an evil person. Right, like we, you right. know, and, and I think you know, I, I don't want to get too political because it's not really a place that I that I speak uh, too intelligently about. Uh, but I think there's a lot of that landscape in our in our current climate in in America where we have a lot of people that have that feeling that you know, oh, this one percent, these one percenters, the one percent, the one percent, they must be evil. They are they are terrible people. They are off, you know, and and I don't know where, um, you know, I, I don't. There's a lot of times that people don't have. A specific way to, to pinpoint where they come up with that belief. I think it's just something that uh, people start to say, and then nobody really challenges it. it makes and them they feel control it. To, to think that, like, oh, this yeah. guy is rich because he's evil. I'm poor because I'm a good person. It makes them feel yeah. better. It, it, and there's some truth to that, right? And, and here's the fact: there's a lot of bad people in the 99 percent. <laughs> you know, so to think that, uh, you know, I think what I always have, what I've learned uh, to try to do the best that I can is to, to stay away from gross generalizations of, of people, you know, like I've always, I've said many times, like, you know, I am, uh, you know, I'm a straight, uh, white man. Um, and those are, you know, three characteristics of probably only about 975 that make me who I am, you know? And so it's, at times it's like, I try, I don't want to ever be put into a box or have somebody think that, oh, well, I'm, I, you know everything about who I am because of one of those characteristics. So I try to do my best, uh, and it is difficult, but I try to do my best to not do that to other groups of people uh, based on any type of uh, category or um, you know categorization that we want to try to place on them. Um, yeah, I was thinking earlier when Adam was talking that like I, I've seen you know rich corporate bosses they're they're you know they're pulling up in their Audi while I'm walking to work and all that. And I thought of them as the rich, evil asshole. But then I put myself, you know, I thought about that per that individual, not just that niche, but like I put myself in that person's shoes. Like, God forbid, he's made it, he's got an Audi, and he's doing better than me. It doesn't make him a bad person. And, you know, so you can't you can't just tear everyone apart like that. Right. Well, and then, and then here's the flip side, right? Like, um, and, and just, to, just to have, you know, I, I do coaching, and it's always fun to, like, just pick apart people's, the words, right? Even you saying, you know, uh, he's doing better than you, right? Yeah. Like just that idea of uh, why why is that a belief that just because somebody has a car that costs a little bit more money than yours, uh, that that is yeah, somehow they are doing better? Because the truth is, there's that's once again that is one, his car is one element of his life, and he could be going home and he could have a toxic environment at home. He could have you know a oh, family yeah, member that's angry. sick. There's, yeah. you know, there's <laughs> the guy was there's angry so all the time. God, I God. I had no idea how he treated his wife, but never seen the dude happy. <laughs> well, and, and, and I mean, here's the one thing, right? Like, you know, I've always loved the saying, you know, hurt people hurt people. And it is very, very true that like, you know, if someone is really genuinely happy and enjoying their life, they're too busy happy to be mean and angry, right? Like generally when people are angry, 
Um, you know, there's a lot of theories that's, you know, or not even theories, I think it's, you know, kind of proven that, like, you know, anger is really just kind of an offshoot of fear. So when people are very angry, it's more that they're, they're just experiencing a lot of fear. Oh, um, man. Like, and so, that's so you get someone that's... For a lot, a lot of things. Like, I yeah. think about that. When I get angry, you can always pinpoint it like, I'm angry because uh, I'm afraid that you're attacking my uh, something I'm subconscious about, or I'm angry because I'm afraid that you're thinking something that's untrue. You know, like every time I'm angry, I can pinpoint it to some form or fashion of fear. You're very correct on that. Yeah, we're, we're, we are all self, we're so selfish. And, it, and, you know, it's something to understand that, like, you know, almost all of, you know, I always love when they, you know, they say it's like, when you look at somebody's behavior, like, the way that somebody treats you says a lot more about how they feel about themselves than how, it, than how they feel about you. You know, if someone is, you know, you might have a bad conversation with a person, but, like, if they're the type of person that's having that all over, like, they got to live with themselves all the time. You know, like, that's, if I got to deal with a bad boss, and I got to deal, you know, I got to suffer through six, seven hours a day of them, you know, like, that guy or that girl, that you know, they got to live with themselves. Like, that's kind of a bummer, you know? So I try to always look at it from that standpoint. If somebody's, if they're being rude, if they're being angry, I always kind of just take a pause, and I'm like, man, I don't know what that person's going through. I hope their day yeah. gets better. Uh, anything I can do to maybe, yeah, any way that, because it, it doesn't bother me. Like, the way that they treat me, um, it, you know, it doesn't really affect me. I know who I am. I, I know the type of man that I am. I feel very comfortable and confident in the man that I am. And so I'm, I don't allow, um, I don't allow compliments to make me get too high. And I also don't, don't let, uh, you know, ridicule crush me too much. And I just try to use those things as, uh, you know, ways that I can still just be more self-aware. You know, Socrates had this really cool quote that he talked, you know, he had, you know, back in his day, you know, Socrates, anyone that doesn't know, you know, ancient philosopher in ancient Greece. Right. And uh, many people, you know, he had haters in his day. He actually eventually was put to death because of uh, people not liking the way that he talked and his influence. Uh, but, you know, Socrates would, you know, he had people that would basically, essentially the question was like, yo, how do you handle your haters, right? Like, in, in, in whatever their words were. Yeah. Um, Cut to but thousand, thousands of years later, and now Socrates is like, the epitome that he's uh, parallel, I can't think of the word, he's literally parallel with philosophy, you know? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, they, they call him, you know, the, the, the godfather of modern thought, right? Like, he is the king of philosophy, or at least the beginning stages of it. And and I think it was, you know, they, they said when he was asked this, like, how do you handle your haters? He basically just kind of said, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, but this idea that, hey, if somebody says something to you about, you know, about you, is, is it just? So you look at it and you go, okay, is this true? Uh, what they're saying about me, uh, is it true? If it's true, then you know, have the maturity to be able to say, okay, maybe I need to adjust how I'm behaving. And if it's not true, and if you've looked at it objectively and, and you're not behaving that way and they're just flat out wrong, then like, then just just disregard it. You know, it's very, it doesn't need to be a, it doesn't need to be anything more than, hey, can this can this feedback help me be a better person? And if it's not accurate, then just move on. What's funny is like you were talking earlier about like just being uh, that person, that toxic person who's angry all the time. They're they're angry seven hours at work and they yell and scream. And you're talking about that person having to, that person has to live with themselves, you know, not you but them. What's yeah. funny is like I found myself becoming that person. I, I I went down that slope and I was getting like angrier and angrier every day and just treating more and more people like crap at work, at home, everywhere. And 
Yeah, like I know exactly what it feels like to be that person and have yeah. to live with yourself. And that's actually why I'm on. This is an intervention, actually. That's why I was asked to be on the. Uh, yeah. This is the intervention no, for you. No, no, no. I don't kick that bad <laughs> habit of screaming at no. people. <laughs> so, Keenan, uh, uh, Keenan here. Um, I have like a, a shit ton of questions, but I'm glad we're just getting into this one. Yeah. But Keenan here uh, tomorrow is going to jail. I am going to jail tomorrow. All right. Yeah, dude. Like, Man. No, I'm not like you know. I didn't get in any trouble. I just want to go. No. I'm yeah. Just go <laughs> hang out. You're just gonna go. You're gonna go and sit outside like it's a club and see if they'll let you in. Yeah, they do three hots and a cots for ten days and like no work. You know, just laying about reading. I can't. There wait. you go. <laughs> no, no, but I just it's a step. Like you know, I, I've been trying to better myself for a while now, and my first step was stop being angry all the time, find happiness beyond my finances. Like my finances doesn't. Uh, you know, doesn't uh, define how happy I am. You know, like these are steps that I just went through, and now, but I do need to build myself financially. I'm I'm 30 years old, and I, and, I, and I've worked nothing but fast food, and so like, but my first step is getting taking care of this. Uh, I got a little tiny warrant. Now, uh, like uh, two years ago, I got caught with a joint, and Texas threw the book at me, man. They they made me pay one thousand dollars for that joint, and. Uh, I was uh some expensive weed, man. That's some expensive weed. I know, right? Man, and uh <laughs> I was I was doing I was in a weird situation where I was working remodeling and then like I turned out to be working for a crackhead and uh like I, I finished three houses for this guy. He owed me like three thousand dollars and he never gave me a dime. So like uh that as a result that that uh that fine turned into a warrant. So that's what I'm taking care of tomorrow is I'm gonna sit up that one thousand dollar fine. It should be a hundred dollars a day, which should just be ten days. Well, well. First off, I mean, the one thing I'll say, man, is you know, kudos to you, man, for for handling your responsibility, right? You you made, you know, you 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 know, you got caught up in the legal system, which happens, and you could either run and you run from it and you avoid your problems, or you say, hey, look, there, there's consequences to our actions, and you step up and you say, all right, I'm ready to to handle that and let's move forward. And I think that that is. Uh, first off, there's a lot of maturity in that, man. So I think that that's something that you can definitely, um, you know, I commend you for, right? Uh, you know, for me, I, I do a lot of outreach. So I, I go into the Los Angeles, you know, I'm here in L.A. And, uh, you know, I go into the L.A. County jail system and speak with inmates about uh, substance abuse and, and things like that. And, you know, I'm also, I'm a cop's kid, man. So, you know, I've had my run-ins with, you know, I'm the cop's kid who's been arrested, you know, four times. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um and I'm sure we could dive into that, but you know, I think there's one instance where, you know, and I, to to how we take this instead of just about the three of us, but to to anyone that's listening, the way we were raised, like we, you can have the the greatest two parents or the worst two parents, but the same thing is it's only two human beings. You know what I'm saying? Like they are gonna have holes in their game. There's going to, you know, a lot of parents, we make, a, they make a lot of mistakes because they're human beings. Yeah, most people, parents, you know? yeah, most people don't, you know, most people don't study child development. They, you know, there's this idea of like, well, you know, kids have been being born for thousands of years. And uh, well, why do I need to read the parenting book? Right. But, but there's, so there's all, there's tons of information out there, but most people don't have it. And, and that's fine. Right. We are not, when we look at our childhood, it is not our fault how we were raised uh, I'll, I'll say it one more time because I think you were you were throwing things in the back. No, yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's you know we're not. It's not our fault how we were raised, but or I should say yet we all have a responsibility to make sure that we are 
you know, becoming adults, you know? So it's like at this point, and, and we all have different starting points. And that's, you know, that's why it's really difficult for anyone to truly, you know, you can't really judge yourself based off of other people. I think we should get into that in a moment because I think it'd be a good, a good segue. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I think it's, it is one of those things where, you know, as adults now, you know, we have the, and it takes responsibility, like personal responsibility means taking ownership of who you are, your decisions, what you do have control over, which is only yourself. Like we have no control over any other person out there. So you take owner, when you take, you know, I hate to say the word extreme ownership because that's a Jocko thing. But when you take, when you take that ownership of your life and you say, I am going to take responsibility, you know, responsibility, you break the word down. And it is, I have the ability to respond to what is going on in my life. I have the ability to respond to my life in a positive and meaningful way. And when you make that decision, like it's such a power, it's such a freedom and so empowering to be able to take that responsibility on. Yeah. Like, dude, I am very, I, I like, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm very much enjoying talking to you. Like you're, you're talking about like literally this journey that I'm like, I'm kind of just started. I'm just, it's just starting to, the wheels starting to turn, you know, and like, like you're saying, everyone starts at a different point. Like you're literally talking about the story I'm in the middle of. You know, it's crazy. It's I, bet, I, I bet a lot of it has to do with just you probably have a lot of destructive thinking. Who me? Yeah. Oh yeah, I know, dude. And I'm trying to write all, all that, all these wrong, dude. I've spent my twenties not worrying about anything, but like just getting high and having fun. And now I was like, oh crap, I'm thirty. Now, like, I'm just starting my life. I'm just—I should have started my life straight out of high school at 18, but I did not. And so now I am. <laughs> well, you never got to finish high school. Oh yeah, I dropped out to do more drugs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, here's the one thing I'll say, man, is, you know, you're in a very, you're in a really pivotal yet very powerful position. You know, you have a an ability to, whether or not you have, you know. Whether or not you have the attention of one person in your life, or if you've got the attention of 15,000, right, you have an ability to take your story, which is unique to you, and be able to start changing it for yourself that will benefit you and serve you in the long run. And then also your story, you know, I can't, I can't tell your story because I've never lived it, but you get to. Your story is so powerful because there's other kids out there. There's other people that have been there, and there's going to be, trust me, there's going to be more kids that walk that same line that grow up more like you than they did me. And you're going to have an ability to impact people in a positive and powerful way. And for me, I personally believe that that's, you know, that connection to other people is where we find so much value in our lives. Like that, you know, they say life is you know, the meaning of life is finding meaning for your life. But I think service is is one of the key ingredients to being able to live a, uh, a happy, joyous, you know, self-fulfilling life, to be able to serve other people. And you're in a very, very uh, powerful place. Now, the flip side, right? You could go to jail. You could get very, very angry at the system. You could get angry at the world. Something could happen while you're there. You get angry with a guy. You get in a fight. It, your your oh, anger gets the hold of you. You get to it. You know, like you could go off. Like you know, you could go off the deep end here, right? Or you could take the responsibility and you and you turn this into you know, in 15 years, this may be the greatest gift that you've ever been or been given. You know, it really could be. Um, but only time will tell, and only your only your uh, response to this 
scenario in this circumstance, uh, the way that you make a decision to think about this and what you want this circumstance to mean in your life and for your life is going to, it could determine, you know, the next 15, 20 years of your life for you. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's so easy. I, like, I could. I could get angry at the system. I mean, this is, this is bull crap that I got to warn. It's bull crap that I got to spend 10 days in jail just because of a tiny little uh, joint, which nobody cares about weed anymore. And, and that had a lot to do with what Texas threw the book at me while there's a book to still throw at me, you know, before weed's 100% legal. That's what happened. But, uh, you know, and it's, it's, I could get angry, but it's no big deal. I mean, like, the, nothing but negativity is going to come from negativity. You're never going to get negative about something and get positive results out of that negativity. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, <laughs> where do you guys want to go now? Man, we, we're, we're moving. we got so many different ways <laughs> to... Really great. Uh, <laughs> Man, you're you're really good at talking. Uh, yeah, man, it's like, how, I, we don't even know. I can we could just, I can just talk to you are, all day. Man. Oh, dude. Well, yeah. no, I, it, you know, I appreciate it, and you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, even coming into the, you know, it's funny. Uh, this almost might be something fun to just kind of talk about, but, you know, I'm a very, uh, you know, I've been I've been sober for over. I'm coming up. The end of the month will be 11 years, which I love. That I'm on a I'm on a opinions and beer co- podcast. It's fantastic, <laughs> right? And yeah. um and you know so I've been sober for 11 years. I've been you know almost and I've been in this world. I'm a coach. I'm a I'm a motivational speaker for high school and college kids, and uh, I do all this stuff. And so I try to be a very very positive guy. I read. Uh, I'm very well studied on you know psychology and philosophy and uh, you know all these different things, and yet. You know, even as where we're at today, we're speaking, you know, I've just had a day where I've been kind of just letting every little thing bug me, you know, like it's in in just not handling, uh, you know, just letting the stress of life kind of overwhelm me at moments. Right. So I think it's 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 a cool thing to kind of talk about, because even as a person here, right, that I am, I try to do my best to help. And I actually coach people and work, walk them through this thing and that it's even easy for all of us and, and somebody like me to have moments where you're like, I do just want to kind of be angry at the world today. Like I just, I do. I just want to, you know, I want to, I want to find a little bit of happiness and hating everything, you know? And it's like, I think that that's a realistic thing that so many of us go through. And they talk about, um, you know, a lot of people have mentioned the idea of there's times when people, you know, and you guys tell me if you relate to this, but it's like, you're upset or you get, you get, you're not happy. And, and then you get angry at yourself that you're not happy. Like you're like, oh, I should be more happy, yeah. uh, but I'm not happy. And then, oh, but why am I not happy? I know I should be happy. And then you, and it, it ben, ends up being this like spiral. Are, I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, <laughs> yes. it's this like spiral effect. When the, when the truth is, it's, it's not about, you know, what I learned from my drinking and using is like I was running away from emotions that I thought were undesirable. So you know, emotions can come from that train of thought. Like, oh, I'm not happy because I don't have weed, and, and I'm now I'm angry because I don't have weed because I just discovered. Hey, hey, hey! They say you can't be addicted to weed. No, but you can be dependent. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you can. It's the it's it's what it represents, right? It's you know, for me, I had you know, as a kid, I had a little bit of anxiety. Did I fit in? Am I cool enough? Am I funny enough? Am I yeah. smart enough? Oh my god! It, like, oh. It, it is am I good enough? All this stuff, and then like I would drink, and it would eliminate those thoughts. So instead of being able to properly work through those thoughts in a mature fa- in a mature fashion, and and as an adult, I would just scapegoat and I would go right to the drug or the alcohol. Oh, so yeah. then I didn't have to worry about it. So then. But now what I've had to do and what a lot of people do, right, is like 
when you take that buffer away, when you take away the drugs, when you take away the alcohol, that was that now you are you have to sit in that emotion in, in a cool, a really cool thing that we can do is, is just you start asking yourself questions. You're like, all right, man, look, I'm frustrated right now. Why? Like, why am I? OK. Or, or, you know, I'm really angry right now. I'm feeling angry. Great. OK, let's sit in this emotion. Like, why? Why are you angry? What are you angry about? Uh, I'm angry at this thing. Okay, cool. Like, what, well, why? Why are you angry? And, and you just keep asking yourself why. And you either a figure out like, hey, there's a deeper issue here. There's actually something bigger that I'm angry at, or frustrated, or scared, or whatever it is, and getting to the root cause. Or sometimes you realize like, oh man, I'm actually not. I'm really not that angry at anything. I'm just kind of. I just haven't made the decision to not be angry right now. Yeah, which happens you, all the time. You come. You either uh, you come to the. Su- solution of the problem or you come to the solution that there never was a problem yeah and i mean it's it the brain is just fascinating dude yeah, like it really is, is. I, know. I know it's hard to, and it's and it's really hard to get back on track especially when maybe you're surrounding yourself with toxic people or uh people that are constantly uh do, doing the do, same activity devoiding do, do. yeah devoiding what your goals are you know like when i'm trying to be a positive person and i find myself just surrounded by nothing but the most negative people man sometimes you got to just like uh cut ties man I, like i just had to jump up and move away from everyone negative like no like like i, I was living with my mom and my brother and in louisiana and i i just had to cut ties with them and move back to a uh, Texas, like I love them to death, and I love spending time with them. But oh man, they just have nothing. And it's not like they're bad people or anything. It's just their their thought process is so negative. Like they they have the, uh, they'll have po- happy even their happy thoughts are negative somehow. Yeah, there's a you know I had a um, obviously being a being a coach and you know I have a coach and because I think that's important and. I remember one time I was going through a situation where I was having an issue with, with uh, you know, somebody personal in my life, and it was kind of along those same lines, and, and, and he asked me a very, very simple question. It was very, very simple. You know, I, w- I was running circles around talking about this and then this, and what about this scenario, blah, 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 blah. He asked a very, very simple question, and he just said, Philip, does this relationship steal your peace? Does it steal your peace? And it was such a simple question, and it was such an easy answer. Like, yes. And he was like, okay. So then it's time to move on. It's time to end that relationship. And, and, you know, it wasn't, I didn't go in and call this person and say, hey, we're no longer friends because you are stealing my peace. Like, it wasn't It wasn't that. It was, you know, we had had many times where we tried to mend, mend the friendship, make things work. It didn't work. It was stealing my peace. And, we, and I, you just let it fade away. And then what happened when I allowed that, when I allowed that negative um, and semi, I don't even want to call it full on toxic, but when I just let that relationship and fade away, it it opened up roster spots. Oh. You know, it opened up roster spots for other amazing people that had more similar thought processes that were that were moving for in the in the same direction that I was moving. It opened up more space for me to develop other. Uh, strong male relationships, uh, and now I have inc- like it's I have amazing friends, um, and it just you know we we are you know there's this idea that we have to be uh, you know with the same people for our whole lives. When the truth is like you know it's I, I look at people in a lot of ways. It's and, and this is a, a very famous poem that's out there. It's like reasons, seasons, and forever. 
And there's some people that come into our world for a very specific reason, you know, and for a very specific reason in, the, in time in our lives. There's people that come in for a season. Maybe you're friends with them for two, four, five years. Maybe it's a relationship that you have and you grow together and then you move away. There is a very, very small percentage of people that are ever meant to be forever people in your life. That doesn't mean that relationships have failed or that anything is wrong. It just means that that's not what that relationship was meant to be. Yeah, um, I, mean, I know what you mean. Having a like again, like you just hit the nail on the head with literally what I'm going through again. Uh, Man, like I just got through, like you know, taking a step back from uh, a toxic relationship with a friend, and I never, like you said, I never thought, oh, well, fuck that guy, we're just no longer friends. But it's just like I'm just happy to not be his wingman now. I'm happy to uh, be able to do my own things and and get that the the, the talk the things like you said, like it just he was taken away from my peace, you know, like. Uh, there's twenty. Is he a bad guy? Is he doing bad things? Was he a bad influence? Like that, there's that's oh, that's twenty one other questions that is neither here nor there. But he was taken away from my peace. That was the main thing. Like you were talking about, and I had to take a step back from that and I had to move away from that roommate. And uh, and it just opened up nothing but doors of opportunity for me, just like you're saying. I just want to say I have nothing but good friends. Yeah. <laughs> and and I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So like good. I've always envied people who have stayed in their same town throughout their entire from childhood to adulthood and grown up with that one childhood friend. Like I moved like seven times and I had a set different best friend seven different times and Adam's number eight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I think that, it's you know. I, and this is that's a, and that's a good point, right? To um, you know, kind of what we were gonna dive into earlier, right? This you know the 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 comparison game right like the comparison game that we have is you know we we st- we set these real we we set these expectations of what we think of our life is supposed to be or what it is and then and then we just get frustrated all day when we look at our lives and it's not what we think it should be right and you know we com- we use social media to compare ourselves with other people uh, we do, you know, whether it's followers, their outfits, where they live, trips they go on, who they're dating, what all these different things. And the truth is, like, in, in, and I love this. I heard this guy, uh, you know, the guy talk about this is a big Jordan Peterson thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Dr. Jordan Peterson, but. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he has, you know, in one of his 12 rules of life, he talks about this of the, you know, the only person that you really truly can compare yourself is who you were yesterday. And, you know, in a science, you know, I, I come from these psychology shows, right, where we did all these experiments. Anyone that, you know, you study science and you want, or even if you just understand the basics of it, for you to have a successful, uh, a successful experiment, you need to be able to isolate the variables. So down to a fact of like, you need to be able to know when you make one little tweak, how that's affecting the outcome. You know, you you have to get things as simple and you have to minimize the different, uh, how many variables are at, are in action. For someone, you know, I'm, I'm turning 33 later on this week. Uh, you know, Keenan, you mentioned you're, you're, you know, in your 30s. Adam, I don't know, you're probably late 20s, early 30s, you're right? 27. Yeah. 27. I, I'm exactly think, 30. I'm, I'm turning 31 later this year. 30, right. But you, if you sit in thought, right, I mean, I don't even know what the estimation is, but if you thought, like, even just for a sake of a number, let's say we make 10,000 choices a year, right? It's probably more than that. Yeah, it's probably 10 just, million. Right? But let's just say let's just say 100,000 choices a, a year, right? So that's 100,000 
different variables every year for each of us, right? So even if, here's the thing, you know, Adam and me, even if Adam and I were born in the same household with the same parents, we would still be so vastly different because of those 100,000 choices that we made in our lives to a place where, where it wouldn't even, from science standpoint, it would make no no sense to try to draw any type of real comparison that's worth anything, because our lives have just so. You, we are guys that grew up in different areas. We've dated different people. We've gone to different schools. We've had different experiences. We've made different choices. The amount of variables that are so vastly different for you know myself, Philip, to compare myself with Adam or to compare myself with Keenan, like th- there's. It's just a bad. It's a bad experiment. It's a flawed design yeah. for us to try to compare ourselves with anyone. And that's about except, how, you know, almost everybody does are yesterday throughout life. It, it becomes, becomes so like artificial almost. Yeah. To where like even every every aspect becomes near artificial and forever changing. And uh, you see you see these mainstream like more like mainstream news and they'll uh, they'll do polls out there and they'll poll ten people and. Blasted as uh, clickbait articles where like ten people believe uh, <laughs> one thing. I, I zoned out. In the middle of yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, I think it's you, just you can get I, those polls from like almost like I, that's why I never trusted polls. Like we we ask ten thousand people and they all say the same thing. Well, okay, well those are those yeah, ten thousand people. Four yeah. variables, yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's yeah. And usually it's ten people. Yeah, well, they say 10. <laughs> they put 10,000 on the website, but they only ask 10. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that becomes something that is, you know, that that comparison to other people can be so detrimental for our happiness. You know, like, it, it really can be. It can be so, um, you know, because then we start to get down on ourselves. We start to think that, uh, man, you know, I, I should have been this way, or life should be this way, or, uh, yeah. you know, if, if only, you know, there's a couple of things that are very dangerous, right? The word should can be, is very dangerous, uh, and if only. If only. If only, if, uh, you know, if only. If only I should. If only no. that. And, and the truth is, like, those hypothetical things, right? Like, they're fine if you want to just use them as a, a moment to... You know, take Maybe yourself. And, you know, yourself it's always, good to, or, or, it's always uh, good to take yourself out of a situation and kind of brainstorm and think about different stuff. And you can be like, oh, well, what if this happened? Or if only just to kind of think and get a better wide like know, perspective. Like to encourage yourself. Like to put to put yourself in someone else's shoes is is a really important quality to have, especially from empathy standpoints. But yeah. if you then are using those phrases to beat yourself up all the time about how you're how you're not good enough and how you're not living up to some sort of expectation or how your life should be this or you should be farther along or you should have more money or you, you know like oh man i can play the if only thing all that's what my, okay, all day like i zoned out that's my point yeah. i was trying to make the uh that, that the world tries yeah. to shape us to think that the rest of the world is thinking one certain way yeah and every single person has a different opinion you know and it, i feel like i feel like uh Mo- uh, modern media, it's like yeah, I was gonna say like TV kind of, and kind stuff, of contributes to the self hatred that we have because why don't I think the way that everyone else thinks? Well, because they want you to have that self hatred as far as as far as being a consumer. Like oh well, if I just had the same TV as that guy, you know, and stuff like that, you know. Do, do you think that 
Oh yeah, if I just had the same TV as that guy, he, he's got a, cur a 50 inch curb Samsung. I, I freaking want it. That's yeah, kind of Illuminati. See, that's dude. My whole life, I've always been like admittingly materialistic. Other people, they like to, they, you know, they like uh, I, people brag like, oh man, I'm not materialistic. You know, it's either way. Like uh, items don't make me happy, and I'm like, well, screw you. Items make me happy. I hate my little bitty ass TV. I want a bigger one. And all this stuff kind of <laughs> mentally contributes to, to us. Like, you see the commercial, it's like, oh, whatever, commercial. But then you see Bob has that fucking thing. Yeah. And you're just like, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, I'm just now, here it is 2019, and I got a PS4, my first PS4, like, three months ago. I've been rocking the PS3 until now, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and here's the, here's the, here's what it plays on, right? And this is, it's interesting that you brought this up, because, you know, the, a good, a good marketer, right? The job of an advertiser is to make you feel like, hey, your life would be better if you had what I'm what I'm selling you. Like that that's the point, right? It's hey, you know, hey, you know, and it can be on all scales from the like, hey, your life is miserable without this product to just, hey, you know, life would be a little bit better with this thing, right? There's all different variances of, of where the advertisers go with how they choose. But th there is that idea that, hey, you have worked hard for this money and the best thing you can do with that money is give it to me for something that we've created that will actually make you a better person. It will help your life. You'll be more likable. You'll you'll be more attractive to the opposite sex. You will be able to be a happier person. It's in in what happens is we buy into it because a lot of us have been raised or we we just have never done the the thinking and stepping outside of it from ourselves to say my value is not attached to wow. my place in the world, right? Like your value is not an external thing that can be judged by other people and that we should be trying to, you know, we have to have the car and we got to look a certain way and we got to have a certain type of, you know, environment that we live in and we got to, like, because we think that that somehow is getting us these magical points, these magical societal points that make us more of a, of a valuable person when the truth is the true value of human all comes from who they are and how you feel about yourself. Those are choices that we get to make in that it's not, you know, we are born with that choice of knowing what our value is in this world. Uh, and then we get taught through society, through environments, we get taught to hand that responsibility over, that responsibility that is ours, self-esteem, key word being self, it's our decision to decide how we feel about ourselves. And then, but people hand that over and they hand it to society. They hand it to their girlfriend. They hand it to their boyfriend, to their parents, to other people. They, they hand it to the guys that they hang out with at work. We hand over our ability to decide how we feel about ourselves and we give it to other people that are more unreliable than we are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it, it, it's, a, it's a very fascinating, uh, and it's not like, it's some conspiracy. It's just humans being humans. Yeah, it's human you nature. Know? Like, and, and I don't know, like, I always go back to admitting, like, man, I, like, I want some nice things. And, like, nice things make me feel better about myself. And maybe I'm wrong for that. But it's, like, the way I see it is, like, I, I'm never going to, like, feel good about myself, like, living in a slum, uh, wearing, like, hand-me-down clothes, like, for, the, like, the same, like, say I got, like, I've I've been in this situation where I've lived in a slum ass trailer and I and I had like two uh, I had two shirts and two pair of pants and that's the only kind of clothes I had 
for like three, four years I lived in that, and, and I never once felt good about myself, and I put myself through all that psychology of like, it's not about what you have, it's not about what you live, it's not about what you drive, it's not about what you wear, but I still woke up feeling like crap, you know, but of course, I got myself out of my, that situation, and that's what it goes back to self-worth, like, as humans, you know, like, uh, I don't know, it's people judge people, like, what you have is, uh, uh, what you accomplishment is a testimony to your character, and what you have or have not accomplished is a, I don't know, let me put that there, what you have or have not accomplished is a testimony to your character, ergo, what you have is a testimony to your character, and this guy only, like, is wearing trash clothes and lives in a crap trailer, then he obviously doesn't have any form or fashion responsibility or sense of hard work, and that's why I, I felt like crap every day. Because I didn't have any fashion of sense of responsibility or, or sense of hard work. And then as soon as I gained that, I was out of that situation. And how did, how did you find what was the most effective thing for what helped you get out of that situation? Oh, man, just like one, uh, just a, uh, literally uh, thought. Like I just came to the point like I did like, I don't know, I just like one day got tired of it and then realized that it was all my doing, and I, I hit the ground running. I, 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 say, I, I got a crap job, used that crap job to save up money to get a vehicle, used that vehicle to look around for a better job, got a better job, and then got a better apartment with that better job, and then, you know, and then the story goes from there. And then what happened? And then I lost it all, but we're not going to get to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then what <laughs> And then you lost it all for talking yeah. on the job. Yeah. Oh, no, that was, a, that was the job after the job. That was a crazy story. That, that's no, crazy. But, uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, uh, hey, how does, how does one, you're really good at, uh, at talking, and I can just sit here and listen to you. How does, <laughs> how does one become a public speaker? So for, you know, everyone has, everybody has different paths. So all I can really speak to is, is kind of how mine went. But, you know, for me, it, and it's interesting because it's totally a thing where you can't really look, you, you can't really connect the dots moving forward. Like you can only connect the dots moving backwards. And, but, you know, for me, I was, you know, as a young kid, my, my, my mother, my father, they, in, they had me involved in, uh, you know, in speech contests. I did, uh, you know, I was involved in theater and things like that. And, uh, so I got from a young age, I at least got a lot of exposure to being in front of people and communicating. Uh, so it helped me, you know, I never really had a lot of the, um, you know, that anxiety of being in front of people communicating um, that a lot of other people experience. And I'm very, very grateful for that. I feel very lucky and blessed. Um, when I was 17 years old, uh, I started DJing professionally. I had my first, you know, paid DJ gig uh, as, as a 17 year old. And that career, you know, continued through, um, you know, through the end of my teenage years, into my 20s. Uh, I still will DJ from time to time. And so that was another thing of having the microphone in my hand, getting more comfortable with being in front of individuals. Um, once it started to shift, you know, like, because there's a big difference between, you know, hosting a hot body contest with Amy and Lisa while everybody cheers her on at the club. Uh, there's a big difference between that. And then me standing in front of a, you know, 1,500 kids talking about substance abuse and peer pressure and, and, and things like that, right? So it's a big leap. But I think what it ends up being for me is I care a lot about 
I care a lot about the process of I, I want to find ways to be the most efficient and effective and, and to be able to communicate the best amount of information to people when I'm up there. Um, it, it, for me, it's not about me trying to be, uh, I, you know, I don't try to be cool. I'm not up there trying to be, uh, it's not about me. It's about the message that I'm trying to convey uh, because I feel like it's about service to other people and that's why I speak. So I study a ton. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, podcasting is a great way. Uh, it's a great way to start to develop out what you believe, what you think, um, you know, getting more and more comfortable talking and, and you start to develop your style, your cadencing. Uh, public speaking, you know, the one thing that I'll say about it is there's a lot of tips and tricks and it's almost like anything, right? You have to learn all the rules so that you then can break some of them. Uh, you know, if I get up there and if I try to speak like Tony Robbins, or if I try to speak like an Eric Thomas or a, or a Gary Vee, or if, I, if I'm out there trying to speak like a Susie Orman, or I'm trying to be, you know, a Joel Osteen, if I'm out there trying to do any of that and be anyone else, I'm not being authentic to who I am as Philip Andrew. And I think a lot of times people can get caught in that, like, oh, well, maybe I need to speak more like that person, or I need to walk like them, or I need to hold myself like them. The truth is, the best thing that you can ever do is do the deep dive work on yourself to start cleaning up your baggage as an individual. It's what we call cleaning your side of the street. Um, if you can go through your, if you can look through your, your upbringing, your childhood, your adolescence, what's going on in your life now, and you can start to clean up all that mess that has accumulated over the years, you start, like, you just start getting this very, like, there's just less in the way. You know, there's less stuff that I'm carrying around. So I don't have a lot of secrets in my life. Uh, I have very strong, you know, friendships and, and people that I speak with on a consistent basis where I'm always letting them know what's going on in my life. I've, I've gone through tons of resentments that I used to have towards people in my life. I've worked through so much of that through, you know, the 12 steps of AA, through 12 steps of CR, through meeting with, you know, with coaching and all these different things. I've eliminated so much of this and I've done the work that when I step on stage, people see me. When you guys hear me talk, like this is who I am. Yeah. You know, like this isn't a character. This isn't like a high energy Philip Andrew that this is the voice I put on for podcast. Like my friends joke, like this is who I, this is how I talk. If I'm at your house and at your birthday party, like I don't care. Like I don't care about Clemson, Alabama. Like I care about deep rooted stuff. Let's talk about humanity. Let's talk about what you're feeling. Like that's just who I am and that's how I've become. Yeah. So that's where my, my confidence in this, in this realm comes because I've put in the work. Right. What, are, what do you think are some of the biggest obstacles with reaching youth? Do you think that, uh, you know, I mean, technology is always advancing. We're, we have access to knowledge way faster than ever before. You, and they think differently and now. Do, do you yeah. think, do, do you ever have that feeling that maybe, uh, you know, the kids are sitting there watching you, that, oh, who's this older guy trying to give me advice? Totally. 100%. I think it's, you know, it's so important to, to meet people where they're at, right? Like you have to, you know, I have to alter things. You know, there's there's ways I'm gonna talk to a group of 15, 16, 17 year olds that is definitely different than when I walk into LA County Jail and I start <laughs> yeah. talking, to, you know what I'm saying? Like right, it's right. definitely, 
you know, it's definitely something that I can't walk in there and be like, hey guys, let's talk about celebrities that I know. And like you guys are like, how are you all feeling today, class? <laughs> right, yeah. You know, so it's totally, it, it definitely I'm is. I'm feeling super. Different. It's not about, and this, is, and this is one thing where a lot of speakers get lost is your message can be your message but you have to you have to be able to tell it in a way that will connect you have to meet your audience where your audience is at right you so know your audience first yeah so if i go in there and i'm just trying you know if i come in and i'm trying to um you know i i, I guess for me and here's one thing that i will say one of the best things that i learned with kids is you know i actually don't even i very rarely i don't say the word kids anymore you yeah. know because right. like now, like, now kids are like feeling like they're adults when they're eight and shit. Well, <laughs> but you know what? In honesty, they got an iPhone like, ten and all that. I hold that away. Like, like they, you know, some of the best things. Like kids are talked down to all the time, and not new kids. We were, we were talked down. Yeah, to. I was about to say that. Yeah, I remember like that right. being a, a problem, man. Like, oh my god, right. just like treat me with respect, and maybe I might have more responsibility. Yeah, yeah, we forget that. When we get older, our yeah. ego tells us that, well, oh, you're just a kid. You're, you're, oh, you'll learn when you're older. It's like, hey, no, how about me now? Like, let, talk to me now. And so that's the one thing that I, I would hope that every kid would, every young adult would feel when they talk with me is that I don't see you as a 13-year-old kid who doesn't have his life together and doesn't know what's going on. You get talked to like a human, like an adult. I talk, I don't. I'm not gonna. Oh hey, oh hey, little Jim. You know, like no. Like I'm gonna talk to you like hey, you're an adult. Jimmy. I'm gonna treat you with respect. I'm gonna ask you questions. I'm gonna. Allow, and I think that's the biggest, the biggest place. Uh, there's a massive difference between teaching kids what to think and teaching them how to think. And I think too often we get caught up as adults, as administrators, as parents that we feel like we need to implant all this wisdom in this kid and teach this kid all of these things when, you know, sometimes the source isn't even that great. When the truth is, how about we ask kids questions? How about we ask the kid what's going on, what they're thinking, and what's instead of being so angry or, or trying to put a kid in his place or, you know, try to ridicule him to where you, you course correct his actions, and just talking with kids and asking them questions, letting them feel like they have a voice, right? Let's go back. This goes back to the undercover boss things. Letting them understand that they're appreciated for who they are, not for who per, some person they're going to be in 20 years. But let a 13-year-old, let a 16-year-old say, hey, you know what, Mike? Uh, tell me what's going on, man. I'm here to listen to you. Like, oh, interesting. Why do you feel that way? Like, I'm going to see you. I'm going to let you be seen and understood, and I'm going to appreciate what you have to say. And, and that, just that right there, treating someone like they are an adult, that goes such a long way with kids, man. Yeah, and dude, that, like, that puts in perspective every single argument I've ever had with every teacher, period. You know, <laughs> like, you know, just... Uh, just treating you poorly. Like, you know, like... I, and I grew up... Uh, I don't know, like, in hindsight, you know, I was just a dumb kid, but I felt, always felt older and more mature, but that's just because I was out drinking and smoking, even though I was, like, 13 or 14, but, you know, I was like, man, I'm an adult, man, like, I got a pack of cigarettes in my pocket, I'm an adult, yeah, <laughs> treat, yeah. treat me like an adult, you know, I'm gonna go, and, and of course, they didn't, Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, that's because you, you didn't, ha you weren't having that conversation with someone, right, yeah. because, if you had, because here's what had happened. If I had met you at, at 14, right? Yeah. 
I would ask you a really simple question. And it would have been like, hey, man, what, uh, what is it about having cigarettes in your hand that makes you feel more like an adult? Hmm. Well, 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 well what do y'all want to well, answer? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm 30 now. My answer would be irrelevant. <laughs> like, but here's the thing. Did anyone ever ask you that? No, no, no of course. So, and, you and made, just, you like, made that. Because, made that like, you know, we, this is what we call, um, there, there's these, uh, there's a lot of, they call them a lot of different things, but these little stories that we tell ourselves, some people call them, they call them rackets, right? Like we, we design these, uh, what we think is a fact. You know, that, that thought process is if I have cigarettes in my hand, it makes me an adult, right? Like that was, that's the thought process, right? That's, that's the truth that you yeah, would create. I mean, that was that, the story that, that you were telling yourself. why I yourself. ever started smoking when I was, I was a kid and shit, you know? Right. And so that's the story you tell yourself and it, and then you carried that on with you until something happened where that course corrected, or maybe you still believe that, right? And and there are times where we, as adults, we have to look at our lives, and when we have these things that we say, well, no, this is who I am. Like, well, is it? Why? Why do you believe that? And you know, we, we like, so rarely ask ourselves those questions. That reminds me of, uh, i seen a meme, that uh, it's like, uh, and this is just kind of a joke, but it did hit the nail on the head, whenever it said that, like, uh, people ask me why I stay at home all the time, and that's because I was out doing the shit that you're doing now when I was 17. And yeah. yeah, and it's like I felt like an adult. Like I was out drinking and partying and smoking and fighting and blah blah blah. And I felt like older and tougher and and better than the other kids because I was like fourteen or fifteen and doing that shit. And they were in the Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. And what? Why do you think that that was what resonated with you? Uh, because like that was just like what was put on to me by probably someone else or so. Like you know that like I just kind of adopted that belief. Uh, I mean, Keenan, I'm sure. Keenan's had quite a uh, quite a childhood. His father stabbed him with a broom. Was, yeah, I mean, uh, I, that, dude, we can get into that all day. <laughs> no, but, I, uh, I, I, yeah. he is like he, that's a weird starting point. I, is I, all I, I'm I, saying. I like, feel like I, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like you were kind of pressured into adulthood based on based this, on like growing up, yeah, being your, 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 being tough and your shit, parent, you know? your parental figures, kind of. Uh, it kind of it's kind of weird. It's kind of the opposite effect of what we're talking about now when of treating uh, teenagers like as, they're adults. like they're adults, but they were treating Keenan too much like an adult. Like they were like right there with him to where that like, he was like my mom got pot from me and like, shit. Like he was kind of you know? being forced into that. So yeah, there's well, kind of then, a gray line you got to meet. Well, and then there was probably a moment, and and I'm just I'm paraphrasing, and I'm I'm and you tell me if I'm wrong, but there might have almost been a point where. You, what you were experiencing, was so, dra- you know, so drastically different than what other kids were experiencing, right? And yeah. and they say one of the worst things that we can do to kids is make them feel different, you know, because we want to feel a part of it. We want to feel a part of the community, not be, uh, you know, different from it. Um, so here you are at 14, 13, 14, You're experiencing these things that other kids aren't experiencing, so you feel different than them. So you. You did for so that you didn't continue to feel broken and and ashamed of who you are and what was happening to you. You you had to fu- you had to do a very what is a very human thing to do, and you flipped it and you tried to own it as your strength. You said, "Well, what I am, I'm I'm an adult because you guys can't handle what I'm up to. Yeah, I'm up to yeah, doing yeah. I'm doing wild stuff on the That's weekend, That's, and that became part of your that 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 identity that you grabbed of." 
this is why I'm like I am who I am, and you did it out of a sh- you, you thought it was coming out of you know making that identity, but it really was coming out of like having that moment and probably a little bit of the fear and insecurities of knowing like I'm not like other people, I don't fit in, like something is different about me, I don't know why. So instead of and you didn't have anyone to communicate that with, nobody was asking you questions, so that so you felt like you had to do it alone. So you just out of out of safety of not beating yourself up all the time, you just created this image of who you thought you needed to be, right? I mean, is there any accuracy to that? Oh, dude, that, that's now that's a hundred percent nail on the head, and, and then so, and it just went like went downhill from there, you know, like uh, and it be, it became like uh, uh, my identity, you know, like uh, I went down this l- long road of how like. You know, like, I cling to this, like, punk rock lifestyle to where I, I thought, like, basically the more I was screwing up and the more irresponsible and the more cr- uh, crimes I was committing, the the more punk rock I was, the more tougher I was, and the more I was cooler than these other kids, and I was more adult than these other kids. And it all started exactly from, what, like, what you're – I was in this situation, and I took this as my personality. My, this is who I am, and this is my strength. And it just snowballed from there, like everything you just said. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and first off, I, and I just want to say this, and I, and I truly mean this, dude. Um, I really appreciate you being open and vulnerable enough to share your your upbringing with not only just the three of us, but with your listeners. I think that that. Oh yeah. That, like I I really appreciate that because it's not something that um, you know it, I, it's it's a it's a massive strength. To be able to be that honest and that open and that vulnerable with things, so I, hey, I, I just you know hats off to you, and I really appreciate that you would be you know willing to put that out there, and and the challenge that I would put down to anybody is any any time you catch yourself saying like oh well that's just how I am that's just who I am, and you look at and you're like okay why like ask yourself where do things come from and and this is a this is in in that not to say that everything. It's not like everything that we are is bad and it needs to be recorrected. But what what you know what we do a lot of times in coaching is we look at like what is like what do I believe about myself? And is that serving me the best way possible for what I want in the future? So when you when you say, Okay, I'm I, I think that I'm this way, my goal, the way that I wanna be Right, and this makes us. We have to make a decision on who we want to be. It's like, who do I want to be? Okay, and then look at the gap and go, why is there a gap? Why am I? Why do I behave the way that I behave when it doesn't serve me for who I want to become? And when we start getting honest with ourselves, we can start to unpackage a lot of that stuff and understand. Oh well, I, I believed that because this happened and this happened, and now maybe you can. We can start to re rewire a little bit of our thought process of like well how can i change my thoughts like how can i change my thoughts so that i actually end up getting the results that i want right rather than just getting this this very stereotypical or like in staying in the same rut my entire life like how do i change my thought processes so that i can get myself the desired results and it's very easy to stay in those awareness and really identify and really asking yourself the, the difficult questions yeah, like it's so easy to stay in those ruts. Like uh, some people out there believe that pe- no one can change, and we are all who we are, and we will always be that way. I mean, it's because 
you know, old habits die hard, like very hard. And what you got, what people have to understand is it is, it's not, it's very hard to kick a habit, but it is not impossible. And people give, give up half the time just on their beliefs that it's not possible or that it's too hard or that I'm just going to always be this way. Well, no, like you're always going to be this way because you always have been this way. And the only thing you need to do is to change being this way is to concentrate on changing being that way. Yeah, it, there's... I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, we we grow up with and we develop a, a legitimate, either low level or massive um, hatred towards ourselves. A you know self hatred of, you know, I could have been so much better, or I should be, oh, or yeah, yeah. I know that I'm I know that I'm capable of more, but I don't work. You know, like we're so we're so difficult and harsh on ourselves. Because of some, you know, because of the comparison, because of all these different things, and, and people legitimately don't believe in themselves, or they think that you know they're not worth it, or that they're they're not important. When the truth is, we all are important. We all have amazing things that we're capable of doing and being. We all can be incredibly, uh, you know, amazing people. Yeah. But it just you know it takes. It does take a little bit of work. It takes some, it, it, not even just work, it takes some intention. And I think that's the problem is like so often we just stop and we say life is what it is because it is what it is. Yeah, and, oh, I wish it was different, but I, but right? there's nothing I can do about it. So and... what are we, you know, like there's, you know, the, there's the, you know, for people in recovery, you know, the very popular thing is the serenity prayer, which is, you know, grant me the, uh, grant me the serenity to uh, you know, understand the things that are. Uh, why, oh wow! I, I don't know why I'm I'm tripping up on it when it's normally uh, something that just comes out. But it's um, pulling it up because now I, I feel bad that I, I hear I am in recovery for so long and I forget this thing. Uh, but you know, it's, it's God. It's, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And it's like when you there, there's a massive like life gets really simple when you adopt the understanding that there's a lot of things that are not within your ability to change. Yeah. And there's a small fraction, yet a very powerful fraction of things in your life that is inside of your ability to change it. And if you can get to a place where you are where you're you're very you take ownership of that place that you can control, which is normally basically only yourself. Yeah. If you can control that and you can get to a place where you say, what do I have the ability to change? Man, life can just get really amazing. And I feel like that's kind of, you know, if we're going to wrap this whole thing up and say, like, what did we talk about? I think we talked a lot about personal responsibility. Yeah, and I, you know, it's, I think this all kind of stemmed from a... I don't know how this started, but we brought up, you know, it's like I'm I'm going through a lot of revelations of my own personal responsibility and, and what am I not being responsible about and what can I be more responsible about. And I, I guess the, another way you put what you just said is like I always thought about uh, the saying that like you can't change what happens, to, you can't decide what happens to you, but you can decide how you handle it. That kind of like, you know, puts uh, what you said in a nutshell. Yeah, dude. I, I think it's, I think it's, this has been good, man. I'm not, I think it's been good. I'm not too sure uh, how long you have left. Uh, I know you said earlier that uh, you, during text messages that you have a, uh, a, me a meeting to go to. 
We have I do, two questions. Yeah. We have two questions left. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and shoot both of them to you and respond to accordingly. Um, one is, uh, are you currently producing anything or working on any uh, TV projects? And the other question is, how's California? How's In-N-Out Burger? And are you, re are you ready to make the change to Whataburger when you move to Texas? <laughs> <laughs> so, so current projects, so I actually, um, let's see, what, what, what is the biggest things I can kind of say? So I had a, a show that came out on, um, that I was a producer on, that came out on Netflix not back in November. Uh, that's out right now. That is called West Side. You'll see that on Netflix. It's a music documentary about some people here in L.A. Uh, yeah, I know a show I that I did for... Yeah, I did, a, I did a show that's going to be coming out on E! Um, in the next, I think it comes out in uh, early February. That will be, um, it's called uh, Dating No Filter. So that was a dating show, which was really interesting. Um, and then I am currently kind of, you know, I've been working on some development projects, some, uh, some new shows that we're going to be kind of, you know, deciding on how the formatting should go and then creating things and uh so always kind of in the mix with stuff. You guys can always stay up, up to date with me. You know, it's at Philip Andrew. And if you're listening still and you haven't left and abandoned us yet, uh, we appreciate you and thank you very much. And we appreciate you hanging out with us for this time. And uh, you can connect with me, uh, philipandrewla at gmail.com or philip, you know, philipandrew.co or at philipandrewla. There you go. There's my little pitch. And then how is California? It's actually raining today, which is very un uncharacteristic. Um, but, you know, I love it out here. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in Detroit, and I'm a big fan of Detroit, but there's just something about, you know, I grew up that very stereotypical Midwest kid that, you know, watched all the California movies and wanted to be, you know, by the beach and, uh, you know, around Hollywood, and I've always enjoyed that life. So I love it out here. I mean, you figure there's so much, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, you know, I always kind of laugh, like, you know, greater Los Angeles is you know, like 10 million people, 10, 11 million people in the entire state of Michigan is like 9.9 .9 million. So you have a, you have a city like a greater, a greater metropolitan area. Um, that is the entire population of the whole state that I grew up in. Yeah. And so when you just take that, you, I mean, like there's just so much opportunity if you're willing to look for it. And in this, you know, this is one thing that kind of something I talk with a lot of the kids about when we talk about career development and how to make yourself as valuable. And I, I guess I could give this as, as a kind of a little bit of a takeaway. Um, it is not valuable. No one gets paid money to find problems. The people that make a lot of money get money because they solve problems. There's a big difference. Anybody can look at something and say that's wrong or this is bad or it should be different or it, those that's anyone can point out the problem yeah right like anybody can break the phone or notice that the phone is broken the skill comes in being able to fix the phone and, and scale that out and that's with everything in life if we want you know if you're listening to this and you're someone that wants to be an entrepreneur or you want to just make more money or you just want to you just want to have a more successful life don't we can't be the type of people that are always looking for problems we got the problems are there, but we got to be looking for the solutions. You know, if we can start to always look at for the solution, and we can say, okay, in any given scenario, what is the opportunity here? What is the possibilities? And what resources do I have to solve this problem? Like, if we can be resource people, opportunity people, and resource people, resource opportunity solution people, like 
my goodness like that's that's where you are valuable from a financial standpoint man Don't i'm just gonna make a finder. i'm gonna make a, a business card that says king and kitchen is resource opportunity and solution <laughs> you know, oh. just, like yeah oh. just start handing out to people and like when people call me about their problems i'll solve them <laughs> right i mean and that's what that's what we need right like it's so easy to find and, and it's so easy to look at the problems and i think that's what happens is everyone starts looking at the problems of their lives and then they never take the time to figure out okay what's the solution because there always is a solution there's always an opportunity there's always a possibility um and and so and to answer your last bit i'm going to catch a lot of flack here i'm actually not a big in and out guy oh, i was gonna say as soon as you said that i was like he, he likes whataburger no. <laughs> I'm, you know, i actually don't know if i've even had whataburger but it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a Texas only thing. I feel like I feel like the meme is only shared in Texas. So okay. oh yeah, yeah, I don't even know if you've ever came across such a meme. Yeah, there's probably a lot of memes like that. But well, yeah, usually, usually they go uh, Five Guys versus In and Out. Oh yeah, yeah. But it, around here, it's In and Out versus uh, Whataburger. But I, I'm not a big fa- yeah, I'm not a big fast food guy. I'm not a big fast food guy. <laughs> oh well, yeah, well, that makes sense. You know. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what though. Like I, I would 100%. Like if we came down there, man, I would definitely. I, I love me some Texas barbecue. 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you came down, I, I know exactly the places to go too. You know? <laughs> amazing, dude. Amazing. Well, hey, you guys. I, I just want to thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to kind of come on your show and talk with you a little bit. And, and I enjoy. No, thank you. I enjoy yeah, the open dude, format, dude, and I, I enjoy you're just kind of good like, getting into talking, dude. It's talk been great. Yeah. Dude, uh, thank you so much for coming on our show. It was a great opportunity for us to interview you. And uh, I'm just very, like I said, I, I really like you, man. You're fun to talk to. <laughs> he was a good guy. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, guys. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, keep me in the loop, man. Let me know what you guys are up to. And, uh, you know, we'll, ha- we'll have to do it again soon in the future, man. I'd, I'd love to come back and, and get a recap. Oh, yeah, All we'd right, love man. that, too. All righty, guys. Take care. Take right, care. Bye, man. Wow, what a great guest. That was awesome. Uh, if you do not agree, well, you are wrong. Which, hey, it's okay to be wrong. Because this is Opinions and Beer. Opinions and Beer. Opinions and Beer. Can't go wrong with Opinions and Beer. Opinions and Beer. Opinions and Beer. All we've got here are opinions and beer.